Welcome, welcome. <laughs> welcome. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Back Row Lessons Podcast. Woo! We are so glad you made it in time. <laughs> my name is Paul Davis, and I am joined by my co-host here and uh, Australian native, <laughs> Nolan Meshke. Sounds great. Thank you guys for tuning in to our second episode of Back Row Lessons here. First episode last week, our inaugural episode. Yay! Woo! Yeah, we made it through. <laughs> we we survived. Uh, we ran with uh, that crazy prospector, Shallow Well Charlie. He, he gave us a good little tale there, and uh, we also went with that crazy guy who ended up killing himself in prison. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Interesting end to the first episode of a history podcast, mm-hmm. but nonetheless, we're gonna we're gonna continue on this episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's gonna be a little bit more true to the form for the rest of the series. It's gonna be more actual history instead of us telling you about <laughs> crazy Australian guys giving you theories. Uh, this is more real things. Yeah, that's gonna be this episode's gonna be fun. We're gonna be talking about the spice trade a little bit. Woo! Yeah, woo! Spicy. Sp- it, it is very spicy. <laughs> uh, but before we get into that, uh, we would like to say thank you to everyone who has left us a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you really listen to us. <laughs> yeah, uh, it feels like there's either too many or not enough places to listen to see some things. Either it's on one obscure streaming network or it's on a thousand of them <laughs> you find some show you're like oh sweet oh it's on we tv broadcast what the f- who do i need to pay for that shit so we're gonna try and get it to you as many places as we can Woo! yeah and the, and those ratings help those and we don't even care what you have to say just yeah just tell us how you're feeling and uh how many alligators you found in the wait post. who gave us a Kind oh yeah, lately. we will normally we'll do shout outs at the end of the ah, episode. Ah, okay, we'll save it. Save we'll it. save it. Yeah, we'll like a know, little treat. Yeah, towards we'll, the end. We'll build suspense here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I already feel it. Oh yeah, build it. It's it, it's it's another cliffhanger. Can't wait for this oh, suspense boom. to explode. Boom. Boom. <laughs> now, one last thing we're going to do before we get into our our uh our tale here yeah. is a little bit of a quick disclaimer. Ah, fuck. Yes. No hate mail, no nothing, but we just want to let everyone know that this is a comedic history show. Kind of. We're not comedians, but we're going to try to be funny. Yeah, we're not comedians, we're not historians, but we try and do both because Mm -hmm. what's what's better than doubling down on something that you don't know how to do? Yeah, like dry humor or jokes that are not funny, but we're going to laugh them at anyway, or like a girl that likes a guy that's not funny, but she's going to laugh at him anyway because she's into her. Yeah, bear through it, bear with us. Um Hopefully no one gets hurt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fingers crossed, at least. You know, maybe a freak accident happens. Uh, there's going to be jokes, uh, but everything here is real. I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm trying not to feed you bullshit. I'll we're be real on. people. Yeah, we're real people. Mm-hmm. I'm not a VTuber, but... Uh, the <laughs> Wait, a VTuber? Yeah, it's like those people, they don't want to show themselves, so they like make an anime profile picture, and that's Ugh. their... like. They animated or whatever. It's, <laughs> people are weird. That's Shit, the, that's the summary of that. that yeah, uh, but we're not that, <laughs> and neither is the information here. It's real. Uh, I'm trying my best to present real information mm-hmm. here, uh, uh, but jokes are going to be made. I'm going to mispronounce words. Oh yeah, yeah. it's going to be we, brutal. We already heard it in week mm-hmm. one, and this week it's not. Uh, if you a, think he has a stutter, he doesn't. It's not a stutter. <laughs> it's just terrible uh, spelling of words. This week it's a. Uh, 
going to be Portuguese words and a little bit of nice. Indian words, not a Aborigines, so I won't offend as... Talking sp- about some spices, spicy, curry in there? Yeah, it's, gonna, it's a spicy <laughs> week all around. Uh, and we Feeling don't have, hot, hot, hot. Hot, hot, hot. Uh, <laughs> pepper, you know, all the, all the puns. Uh, we don't have a script. We don't have that. I have my notes, and that's about it. Uh, but we're going to be immature. We're going to be crude, but... Mm, we're going to be awkward. We're going to be awkward, yeah. Ooh, very yeah. Much. I'm very mm-hmm. awkward, but... That's not going to stop the history from coming. That's the problem. It's going to happen. So if, you know, a few jokes in between, a lot of history sounds mm-hmm. good for you. I think we are all ready to to dive right in. Oh, yeah. You ready, Nolan? Yeah, ladies and gentlemen. Everyone, take a seat. Put your seatbelt on and enjoy the yeah, ride. Cl- click it and, t- I guess, normally it's click it and ticket, but that's if you <laughs> don't have a seatbelt on. So click it yeah. and not get a ticket. What kind of express would you call this journey? Um... I mean the Spice Express or the mm. yeah you know the this we're flying back you know imagine us on a time machine we're flying <laughs> back almost almost more than five hundred years here first mm-hmm. we're flying back to fourteen fifty three mm. uh, a very very interesting year indeed now why any we, fun facts about this year you know about that's uh, not really cup, related to what we're going to learn about not what we're related to um, I'll be honest. Shooting on blanks here because 1400s is really outside what I normally research. <laughs> it's at the point, I'll be honest, like it's filled with very interesting things, but it's like... Wait, do you have sp- specific centuries you kind of research for fun? For fun, I... So it depends on the topics, but I very much enjoy the 19th and kind of 20th century as okay. for where I'm that's like... probably more documented. It's more documented and people are just kind of more insane in a sense okay. uh like the late 1800s early 1900s people are mm. they're at the tip of their uh wig you could say and just everyone is insane My, I, <laughs> so that's a great period and then just thousands of years later uh or earlier you could say <laughs> everyone's mythological and everyone you just don't get a lot of agency and it's just very interesting but 1453 while I don't have any fun facts, mm-hmm. I have a very unfun factor, what one could say. <laughs> uh, now, Rome split into two, the Roman Empire. There was Eastern Rome and Western Rome. Okay. Western Rome was uh, situated in Rome. That was the capital. <laughs> yeah, and then it's really weird when the country or the empire named Rome isn't based in Rome, but I guess that's just the weird part of history. But the okay. Eastern Roman Empire, which there's thousands of books and hundreds of reasons why there's two Romes, but mm. it went by the name of Byzantium. That was another name for it. And it was... Wait, located- which place went by? Byzantium. 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 B-Y-Z-T-A-N-I-U-M, I believe. I'm still going to fuck it up. But oh, anyway. me too, because I don't know if I spelled that right. But you said right. this is like the East part? This is, yeah. So when it's Eastern Rome, no one called themselves Byzantium. It was just like a term applied to them to distinguish them from okay. western romans but they're big because they have the city of constantinople nice istanbul nowadays so at this time or i'm gonna call this place bizamp bizamp uh the business is, <laughs> that, that's where every when people like business that's where it started actually. oh really no, no. oh no <laughs> it would be great if it like that <laughs> that we're like i got the business here <laughs> Uh, or everyone is buzzing. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, so 1453, Constantinople, the capital, falls to the Ottomans. 
So what was the last batch? And they were around for a while. We talked about them, I think. Yeah, we'll talk about them. And they they go through World War I. World War I is what brought the Ottoman Empire down. Shit. and it's always a fun fact until a couple of years ago when they won, and but the Chicago When Cubs, do they like show up in history? This, uh, around this time, 1400s, okay. late 1300s, 1453, when they take over Constantinople is when they really ascend to being like a force, someone, okay. something that people in Europe are like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guys laughing at us now yeah, before, but look at us now. Look at us now, nerds. <laughs> we took it over. <laughs> We bought it. We bought the, you know, we bought the Shell gas station mm-hmm. on the corner. Um, <laughs> so they take it. They take Constantinople and beyond just the political, like, oh, shit, you know, Byzantium is gone. The mm-hmm. biggest thing is it disrupts the Silk Road. You know, oh, yeah. I've heard not, that about Not that. Mm-hmm. the uh, drug <laughs> website online <laughs> that edgy kids in high school sell weed from. Uh, it's the where, the where this term comes from. Yeah, where this term yeah. comes from. <laughs> it's the intercontinental trade network yeah. uh, that went from pretty much Western Europe to China. That's why it's called nice. the Silk Road. Yeah, because they wanted silk. They were like, yeah. you feel this fabric? Feel it. Feel yeah. it. Yeah, and this okay. is like something everybody's got to learn at least once like during school. Every, like, no matter, like, unless you're 100% native american someone in some part of your history probably was involved in the silk road at some point a hundred percent across the ocean okay besides that though you you have a connection to the you have a connection to the silk road the fall of constantinople created a at a big trading point at a big convergent point disrupted it it could no longer function as it had Mm -hmm. uh as the roads going through ottoman empire now were you know, not really going to Christian Europe. Mm. This forced Europeans to figure out new routes and mm. new networks to continue getting their exotic goods. They're like, people are still going to pay for this shit. How are we going to get it for them? Okay. So in particular, things like black pepper, other spices, cinnamon, ginger, these things, while they were in small quantities, people still really wanted them. Yeah. And now it just got way harder to bring them in. Okay. So... We're fast forwarding a little bit here. So that was 1453. That's the the kind of, I wanted to talk about this because this is the introduction for needing to know about uh, the coming 1500s, the Europe that the Tudors, what we're talking about this season, Mm -hmm. kind of erupt into or kind of come on the scene into. Mm. This is setting the scene to it. This is the, this is about 40 years before it and you know, you gotta you gotta build those blocks. It's like yeah. Legos. You gotta build the foundation <laughs> before you put the little spaceman at the top of the rocket yeah. or what have you. I've been building Legos in quarantine. Um, <laughs> I should have so done that. It's therapeutic. I'm an adult with adult, mo- adult money. I gotta exactly. spend my money on that shit. <laughs> some of them are like, "Whoa, this is really cool," <laughs> and some of them you're like, "I wish it was bigger." <laughs> um, so. F- that was 1453 at the end of the 1400s the 15th century uh 1497 to 1499 the okay. end of it uh the portuguese uh the people rumored to have found australia uh <laughs> and people were killing themselves convinced that it was uh <laughs> portuguese explorers not in australia but these explorers and these merchants began to go down, like venture down the West African coast. Okay. So they were finally being able to make ships that could and have enough supplies to kind of 
go down the coast, start mm-hmm. to venture for a couple days, weeks, what have you. And they were mapping more of it. Uh, nice. Yeah, they were, hey, whoa, that's a cool rock. Put that on the map <laughs> over there. I like that rock. I'm going to name that rock. That That's my, he, the captain turns to everyone on the ship, that's my rock. <laughs> it's mine. Mine? Mine? Uh, yeah, mine, mine, mine. mine, mine. <laughs> so until this kind of went on, until Vasco da Gama, a very, mm-hmm. very, a lot of people, at least if they don't know who they are, if you say Vasco da Gama, you're like, Name sounds somewhat familiar. No, nah, not not at all. Oh well, <laughs> that's why I'm here for you, Vasco <laughs> da Gama, uh, with permission from King Manuel the First of Portugal, mm. uh, sailed. They he was like, all right, I got an idea. What if instead of turning back, I continued forward? If I <laughs> what if I just kept going? Okay. And yeah, you're we got King enough Manuel paper. Here, you're like, yeah, ooh, yeah. ooh, I we like got this. enough paper for this map. Yeah, boys. <laughs> See where this part at the map ends? What if I just Went. F- I, I just continued to go. Yeah. What, what, if, <laughs> what if I went off the edge of the map? <laughs> so he gets permission from... Wait, do people think the world's flat at this point? No, no one ever really thought that. It was okay. just... It's un. It's un. It's unknown. We don't know what's out there. You might run into okay. shit. Yeah. <laughs> like how we were talking about uh, those DFA maps. There was like some... This is when mythological stuff yeah. were still going on. Uh, I actually watched a really good video on rogue waves Mm. uh waves that come out of nowhere that like hit ships and stuff like that they Mm -hmm. were actually thought of to be a hundred percent not uh like existing in nature really until i believe like the 60s what the at the time quote unquote the wave theory that you know waves and Mm -hmm. nature or whatever were going on they didn't have the model that said that allowed it for it to happen so they didn't think rogue waves on the on the ocean were a thing until <laughs> more and more evidence of like videos of yeah. them happening okay began to when you come. say like rogue wave like you mean like a giant a, like wave, a, right? a wave that comes out of nowhere that it, yeah that's big and it's lone by itself and it's it's a very interesting uh video could it be any size or yeah but like the term like at, at least the mythological the myth of the rogue wave is mm-hmm. a large if if you've seen the movie poseidon the shitty kind of remake one where it's like a ship on, it's an ocean liner and a giant wave comes out of nowhere nah. and hits it yeah it's six out of ten maybe that um, <laughs> but it's like that it's like a giant wave that comes out of nowhere and is you can't prepare for it and it's so large that ships aren't able to handle it okay they were really myth until this time so these yeah so he's sailing around the horn of africa vasco da gama mm. uh as they wanted to find a sea route to Calcutta in India. Uh, okay. India at this time, while not the same India as we think of it, you know, one giant nation, it was mm-hmm. a lot of different kingdoms and royalties and principalities oh, or whatever you want cool. to call them. Okay. Uh, a lot of them fucking wealthy. A lot mm-hmm. of them fucking wealthy. Nice. Yes. Uh, so. Uh, I mean, if you succeed in some of their temples, the amount of detail they put into with all the different gods and goddesses, oh, it's yeah. beautiful. It's impressive. One of the most interesting classes I took was an Indian history class because my mm-hmm. field was North and South America. And I was like, I need something outside my, you know, field or what have mm-hmm. you. This one fits it perfectly. And it ended up being one of the most interesting classes I took. Um, I was really pissed when we went to online learning. I was like, damn it, the discussions in this class are sweet. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now we're all just going to be staring at our phones online uh. and not actually attending class. <laughs> uh, so uh, he got permission, uh, Vasco. Uh, hey, Wait, who's this guy again? Vasco da Gama. He's a famous, very, very famous Portuguese explorer. That's right. Okay. Yes. So this is 1497. 
Mm. And the fleet returns to Lisbon uh, on July 12th, 1499. So he was gone for two years trying to get around the Horn of Africa. Okay. So how this guy knew that he was going west around the Horn of Africa, mm -hmm. and that French guy thought he was going around the Horn of Africa, but actually wasn't. Oh, my God. Vasco did it. Uh, <laughs> Vasco knew what he was doing. Uh, so, yeah, he gets back on July 12th, 1499. Of the 148 men who went out initially oh, no. of the trip, only 55 survived. Oh, God. That's a less than a, almost a one in three odds <laughs> of returning on this trip. <laughs> um, so yeah, it, it's, uh, never good when you lose two thirds of your men <laughs> on anything. Uh, oh, a, fuck. a big byproduct or a big effect of this was it was a heavy hit to the Venetian monopoly. Yeah. Uh, Venice had a big monopoly on importing things, but with the fall of Constantinople and the fall of the Venetian empire, it was kind of dwindling. Hmm. This was a big hit to it. And, uh, also, as well as the city of Antwerp, Antwerp up in what is Belgium now, was a big trading location. It had a lot. Antwerp. Of, like, Antwerp. Okay. Yeah. It's like this ants a twerp. Yeah, like <laughs> ants teasing each other. A yeah. Antwerp. <laughs> or it sounds like a very kind of Irish nickname, like Antwerp. Okay. Mm, come here, Antwerp. <laughs> uh, is that your Irish accent? No, it's not. Because if I actually tried it would be terrible yeah. it'd be even worse <laughs> i need to learn accents for this podcast um, <laughs> so from here he he's one of the first people to kind of figure out that ships and if you figure out a route you can go from europe to india by sea and you don't need to deal with other traders and merchants or a long land journey to get these exotic goods okay are, so there's like benefits from this yeah this is like the highway almost okay. instead of like taking all the short you know the back roads they're like mm -hmm. what if we just build an expressway or whatever <laughs> but the expressway it's on water so this begins the Carreria de india better known as the india runs mm. which were indian or portuguese indian armadas that were sent from portugal to go to india basically load up on as much spice as you can deal with local politics in what way seems fit and um just survive enough to make it back and make some money okay. that's pretty much what you got to do uh we'll give you other we'll give you other things to do but uh the big thing is get to india and get home that's why it's called the indian run okay uh it was like an annual fleet being sent from portugal to india just because of how long it took like yeah vasco was gone for two years They're like hey Nice to see you back, man. How'd it go? <laughs> uh, so it lasted almost 200 years. Oh, shit. The first one was sent in 1497, that Vasco da Gama one. Yeah. And the last one was sent in 1650. So, okay. yeah, that's, al that's almost so 200. So this is like the route they took. Yeah, it was a very solid route, and I have it here. Uh, but there was a, over a 1,000 departures of ships from Lisbon. On this route so in oh. the time from 1497 to 1650 over a thousand ships departed nice yeah that's a good amount and uh <laughs> it was a six-way trip going from portugal to india okay uh, you know we complain about 
a flight to, you know, Europe being a couple hours, you know, these, <laughs> these seats are cramped or what have you. Mm-hmm. It was six months each way. Um, Jesus. Yeah. And it was also depending on the winds from the monsoon season. So <laughs> if you time it wrong, you might actually end up dead. Oh, fuck. <laughs> so they go from Lisbon to Cape Verde, which is a set of islands off, like kind of in between. Yeah. India. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Then they go to the Cape of Good Hope, so all the okay. way down. Then either they would stop at Mozambique or Madagascar, de- really depending on, hey, what European power is in control of this area at the time? Are we friends with them? All right, we can stop in that port right over nice. there. Yeah. <laughs> that flag. Okay, we're good. We can port. We can mm. go there. So from <laughs> These then, people are chill. Yeah, those, they won't fire on sight at us, right? No? Okay, good, good. Uh, so from Madagascar or Mozambique, they would then go to Goa or Cochin, uh, two areas that the Portuguese would soon to own in uh, mm. India. Uh, fleets in Lisbon would leave typically in between February and April. Okay. As that would give you enough time to get to, the, I would assume, the good winds or you know, enough time, you know, a window. Uh, and the Armadas usually arrived in India around early September, sometimes late August, depending on the winds, like mm. I said, monsoon season. <laughs> and then they would return to Portugal in December or January. They, when they got it to an efficient roundabout way, yeah. it wasn't linger in India and hang out. It'd be like, get there, resupply, get the people, head on out mm-hmm. pretty much. It okay. became very uh, effective, a very kind of roundabout way. Uh, yearly fleets, like I said, they would be leaving at the same time, and they would follow that same route. They're like, okay. if you stray from this route, you're probably going to die, or <laughs> you don't know where you are, and then you're going to die. Yeah. So at least know where you're going. <laughs> Please. <laughs> we paid a lot for that ship. Uh, and they would follow. They would navigate through the Cape and the India. According to historian Oliveira Martins, of the 806 fleets sent on the India run between 1497 and 1612. Mm-hmm. He, I guess he didn't have all the info or, you know, info for the last couple of years. Uh, 400, so it was out of 806, 425 returned safely to Portugal. 200 returned, quote, prematurely. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> I.e. without reaching India. So they were like, nope, we left too late. Turn, it, turn this ship around. We're going back. <laughs> 66 were lost, four were captured by the enemy. Oh, fuck. Yep, and uh, six were scuttled and burnt, so they were like, we can't make it here, burn it. (laughs) Uh, And 285 (laughs) remained in India, so they were like, the ship... We need presence here. Keep the ship in this India. This is the entire 200-year history, is uh, what you're saying? Just about 200 years. Okay. It works out to be about 215, or no, about 115-ish years or so. Oh, okay. Never wait, mind. Wait, wait. Yeah, this, that stat I gave you would, was about 115 years. Okay. this gentleman only had uh, through 1612. Mm. So that brings us to uh, our first real I want to say character, but not in like, oh, he's going to be reoccurring. Maybe what he is in the future, but just I was researching these runs, these India runs, and I came across this guy. The more I read him, I was like, we need to talk about this guy. Okay. Um, And I've titled this this guy, this gentleman. His name is Alfonso de Albuquerque. Okay. (laughs) And in my notes, I 
put a, a byline that just says better than New Mexico. So <laughs> this gentleman is very, very uh, influential. Wait, why did you put better than New Mexico? Because the capital of New Mexico is Albuquerque. Oh, like, fuck, yeah. <laughs> so I'll be honest, Albuquerque, New Mexico versus Alfonso de Albuquerque, it's, tight, it's a tough fight. So uh, <laughs> I guess this is a fun fact for you for 1453, ah! I, I guess, because he was born in 1453. So there you go. Premature or uh, uh, a belated fun fact happy for you. Happy birthday to you. Yeah, okay. I don't have his exact birthday. <laughs> yeah, happy almost birthday, dear Alfonso. Afonso, I guess. Yeah. So he was born in Alhandra, which is uh, around Lisbon, Portugal. Okay. The capital. He is the second son. Okay. Goncalo de Albuquerque. Okay. Uh, that's his father. He is the lord of the Villa Verde dos Francos. And his mother, Dona Lenore de Menes. Mm -hmm. Those are some fucking... Blue blood elite names right there. Yeah. I am Goncalo de Albuquerque, Lord of Villa de Verde, <laughs> or whatever the fuck. That is a fucking title right there, uh, Goncalo. <laughs> his father, uh, like Padre. I said, Padre, yeah, Goncalo. Uh, his father held an important position at the royal court okay. uh, and was connected by remote illegitimate descent to the Portuguese monarchy. So someone okay. in the Portuguese monarchy was messing around, when was messing around yeah. and had this guy and he still claims it. And he's like, you know, yeah. distantly, <laughs> someone cheated on their wife with my, you know, aunt or whatever, or my, my <laughs> great, great grandmother or whatever. Uh, he, uh, he still though, was in the, the Portuguese Royal court. Okay. Uh, his, he, he befriended the future king of Portugal, John II, uh, while... Oh, sorry. And this wasn't his father. I'm sorry. This is Alfonso. This is Alfonso. Okay. He befriended the future king, who was at this time a prince, uh, while they were both studying math and Latin at the court of the current king, Alfonso V of Portugal. Okay. So I assume that is probably John's father. Alfonso is studying in the court and he befriends a guy and he's like, oh, hey, what's up, dude? And it turns out that guy's later going to be king. Mm. Uh, Alfonso's early training is described by Diego Barbosa Machado, another great <laughs> name right there, uh, Alfonso de Albuquerque, uh, by reason of the heroic deeds wherewith he filled Europe with admiration and Asia with fear and trembling. Okay. So let's break that one down real quick. Yeah, again. please. <laughs> uh, by reason of his heroic deeds, so he's going to be doing something, some deeds, whereeth he filled Europe with admiration, so people in Europe are excited about him, mm -hmm. and Asia with fear and trembling. So people in Asia are going to fear and tremble beneath this man. Oh, fuck. So uh, he has some nicknames, though. Last, we're going to get into a lot of great nicknames in this okay. series. Um, he has a couple great nicknames. Great, 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 great. How many do you have? I have five. Woo! Number one. Number one. Okay, here we go. Number one. He was known as Alfonso the Great. Okay. So on one side, basic. We got basic, but it tells a yeah. lot. Mm -hmm. you, you did something. Uh, he was also known as Alfonso the Terrible. 
Okay. So I was it, like thinking maybe you're gonna say like impaler at some no, point. No, well, okay. I mean it's very close. So oh, <laughs> so those terrible, two are great, really terrible. on what side of the coin are you looking? So the great at was just like the propaganda he's doing great one. Things, okay. And then the terrible is he's doing terrible things. Yeah. Probably, so that's probably like the people. Yeah, people. I was about to say it depends on are you part of the people he's doing great or terrible things <laughs> to. Okay, number three. Number three, the Caesar of the East. Oh, so, <laughs> so comparing him to Caesar. Okay, is so we always, got two bad, one good. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number three, the lion. No, we're at number four. Number four. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> yep. The lion of the seas. That's fucking sweet. Okay, the that li- could mean anything. Well, I mean, you don't really get the name the lion if you're timid and kind of yeah quiet. So you have to be loud on the, the sea. lion of the seas. The lion of the seas. The lion sings the night. The lion sleeps tonight. Is it sings or sleeps? I don't know, but I was trying to do a bad okay. uh, parody. So <laughs> number five. Just, number five. So wait, the fourth one is not really like good or bad. It's just I would say it's bad because no one gets the lion if they're not like ferocious. Yeah, okay. I guess. And he, on it, the seas, it could mean you're a leader too. True, true. Mm-hmm. But you, yeah, but the, the last one, kinky. The, the I don't la- know about yeah, kinky. The last but anyway. one uh, is definitely says something. Number five, Alfonso, the Portuguese Mars. So Mars, the, Mars, like the god of war. Oh, okay. So okay. The great, the terrible, a Caesar. A lion and a god of war. Mm, okay, I don't. I don't think I'm gonna give him god of war because just there's probably easily other people that are probably memorable in war. But I'm giving. I'll give him the lion of the seas. You're That's gonna. My you're line. gonna come to find out why he's called the Portuguese Mars. But okay, I'll be honest. I don't even have one nickname. He has five pretty sweet nicknames. So <laughs> that's why, I, like, when I read that he had five nicknames and those nicknames, mm-hmm. I was like, I think we might need to talk about this fine gentleman here. <laughs> so, like I had mentioned earlier, born 1453. Woo! Yes, 1471. He starts to kind of become military in this sense. Okay. Uh, that king that he was studying b- uh, below, Alfonso V. Oh, yeah. Uh, he leads an invasion and a conquest of Morocco uh, from Portugal. And if you think about like the Rock of Gibraltar. Gibraltar okay. Uh, so we got the guy, two people right now. Yeah, we got Alfonso the king. Yep. Alfonso V. Yeah. B, <laughs> and Alfonso de Albuquerque with all of those nicknames. And Alfon- Okay. So Albuquerque. Al- yeah. I'll, <laughs> d- d- I'll call him Albuquerque for right now. The so, Lion of Albuquerque. Yeah, the Lion of Albuquerque. <laughs> That might be the title of the episode. <laughs> uh, okay. Make it sound like a true crime podcast. Uh, so the King Alfonso, he's okay. leading an invasion of Morocco. And they're very close by. Okay. Um, and this is 1471. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this goes down to Tangiers, uh, Morocco. So it's not just like a coastal thing. They get mm-hmm. a little bit in inland. Uh, with the prince... John, so mm. the guy he was friends with, uh, Alfonso de Albuquerque and John, they fight in the Castilian Wars of Secession. So okay. in Castile, which is like Spain, right next to them, yeah, there was a bunch of secession wars over someone, a king or a queen just died. Who's going to take over? Secession wars. Oh, it's like you just described. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's one side is supporting this this monarch to take over this side is fighting oh okay ones. so yep. like the throne is up for grabs yeah i, I would kind of sort of kind of sort of and um this was at the battle of toro so everyone you know the cavalry yeah they were coming in on those riding lawnmowers <laughs> just <laughs> charge yeah. and then everyone's pulling uh they got the, you know the the pusher mowers, yeah. that's the normal soldier right there. God it damn was, 
<laughs> it was a cutter. It, everyone uh, was just sh- shredded and mulched. It was brutal. Okay. Uh, yes, I love that. The Battle of Toro. Different Toro. I think Toro is based in mm-hmm. Iowa or whatever. But I like to imagine that it was 1476 and they mm-hmm. had lawnmowers at this point. <laughs> How are we going to take care of them? Just hold up the lawnmower yeah. vertically. <laughs> so... These wars kind of go on for a couple years. Uh, 1480, mm-hmm. Alfonso de Albuquerque again. He is sent to the Italian peninsula uh, to aid in the rescue of Ferdinand II of Aragon from mm. the Ottoman Empire during the invasion of Otranto. Did you already talk about Ferdinand or are we introducing him? He's just, I'm just introducing him here. We don't really need to know okay. much about Ferdinand. Sorry, Ferdinand, you're not that special Ferd. right now. Um, yeah, because it kind of sounds like he, he was taken captive by the Ottoman Empire. I, I don't understand how a royal can be taken captive and then they have to send someone else in like a secret agent. Like, yeah. Break this prisoner out of you know, jail <laughs> or whatever. He's a, he's a spy at this point, you know. Going through the ducks, climbing, <laughs> rappelling down walls, and 1480s Italy. That would be actually pretty fucking sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Take that, Assassin's Creed. Where was that in the game? Mm-hmm. Uh, 1481, so the next year, he was like, mission successful. Ferdinand isn't dead. Uh, he returns to Portugal, and this is when Prince John becomes King John the ah, second. Nice promotion. Yeah. He's like, you did well. You didn't fuck that up. Here's a bigger crown. Woo! Woo! Uh, though this uh, made Alfonso the Albuquerque, he was given the title of, quote, Master of the Horse. Oh, not puppets. Yeah, not Master of the Puppets. <laughs> Big Metallica fan. Um, <laughs> and the chief equerry, equerry, E-Q-U-E-R-R-Y, which I kind of assumed was like lead horse guy. He's mm. just like the because like like equine like horses yeah like it's like EQU whatever mm-hmm. like the equestrian team or what have you so that's why I think it's a chief when it says chief acquire or what EQU whatever the it looks like equerry or whatever mm. I assume it's a fucking horse role because the other one is master of horses <laughs> um, and he held this throughout John's reign from 1481 to. 1495 he okay. was like the whole time i got a shit ton of horses and i'm <laughs> not gonna make an old town road reference right there as easy as it would have been <laughs> i'm not gonna do it so he hangs out for about eight years in portugal Damn. grooming horses <laughs> nice mane right on that oh, one yeah. <laughs> i'm gonna call you alfonso <laughs> yes. so in 1489 he returns to some military campaigns in North Africa as a commander of defense. So he's defending a fortress. So you're going to be good at it? Yeah, he holds the fortress. They don't really take it. I'd like to include this in here because it's very much in the time period. It's very much relevant. Hmm. 1493. 1493, so four Mm -hmm. years after that. uh, Christopher Columbus. Cool. Yeah, that... Yeah, that non-controversial fellow yeah. <laughs> that nobody, everybody loves to talk about. Uh, he is returning from his first voyage. Oh God! Uh, and it's early 1493, but he didn't. Even though he was sent by Spain, as you know, everyone knows he was sent by sent by uh, Isabel and yeah. Ferdinand. Uh, his first stop, though, was in Lisbon, in Lisbon, Portugal. Uh, 
to quote claim his victory in front of King John II. <laughs> hey, guess what? <laughs> what? I was right. You were wrong. <laughs> and he's like just giving him the <laughs> finger. <laughs> he's just showboating him. Yeah. So King John, he's pissed off at okay. this point. His only response to this was that under the Treaty of Al. Cavoys. Whoa, that's a lot of uh, accent marks in that word right there. I'm just going to mm. say Treaty of Alcavaz, Al whatever, previously signed with Spain. So it's between Portugal and Spain. Mm -hmm. Columbus's discoveries lie within Portugal's sphere of influence. So Columbus is showboating that he found a bunch of land, and King John is showboating back that, nah, nah, it's mine, oh, pretty much. It's, what? Yeah, it's like, nah, nah, it's mine, okay. pretty much. Like, yeah, under what authority? This authority, okay. pretty much. So, yeah, they're pretty much acting like children right now mm -hmm. uh, on worldwide changing proportions. Yeah. <laughs> He's just taunting him. So, uh, John the second in uh, 1495 uh, dies at the age of 40 without any legitimate children. Oh, uh, shit. Yes. Despite his attempts to have his son Jorge, uh, a duke, secede him, he was seceded by his first cousin, Manuel I. Manuel mm. I of Portugal. Okay. And I'm just mentioning this because everyone talks about Machiavelli. Oh, the philosopher? Yeah, the yeah. philosopher. Mm -hmm. the, the, pr the wrote the prince? Yes, the perfect prince. Uh, or he wrote the prince. Yeah. And I mentioned this because John II is nicknamed the perfect prince. Okay. In a post uh, posthumous, I'm sorry, I always pronounce this post humorous, but it's posthumous. <laughs> it's one letter off, pretty much. Uh, appellation that is intended to refer to Machiavelli's. The prince. John II okay. is considered to have lived his life exactly according to the writer's idea of a perfect prince. Ah, okay. Uh, Wasn't that like basically being feared though? Like uh, having like a government, like because if you're a friendly king, correct me if I'm wrong, like nobody's going to like trust or believe you. Like they're not, it's if, so if they don't fear you, then they're like, if they don't fear you, then they do what they want. It's so hard so many people have so many different definitions mm -hmm. i always saw it as self like like just self not even self-reliance but just taking care of you no matter what and just not giving a shit about yeah you know, outside okay. forces like self-occupation pretty much self you know self-fulfillment um and everyone is going to be pissed about any opinion you have about Machiavelli. Okay. <laughs> this one dude didn't do anything else in his life but inflame people on the internet for hundreds of years. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, so he was admired as one of the greatest European monarchs of the time. And Isabel I of Castile, so that Spanish fucking uh, province over there, yeah. usually referred to him as El Hombre or The Man. <laughs> so we have great awesome. nicknames and terrible nicknames look at the man actually that's a great one though like that's amazing I, I would so be called the man he, yeah i mean it, it describes him well he was a man like do you want to be the lion of the sea or the man i'll be lion of the sea fuck i'll be the i'll be the man okay sea lions are sweet <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah alfonso would go on to become the first sea lion in history <laughs> so uh where we left off with Alfonso before it was 1489 he was fucking around in North Africa mm -hmm. so as we bring it up to where we had brought in the Vasco da Gama stuff 
1503. So this is going to be the fifth Portuguese Indian run, the the Armada, pretty mm. much. This is the first of Alfonso's time, you know, being in charge of the ship. Okay. He's like, all right, I'm the boss today. Let's do this. Woo! 1503, this is the fifth one. The second Indian Armada in 1500, they're like, celebration, pop the corks. Let's get out on the, the sea there. Uh, had opened hostilities <laughs> between the Kingdom of Portugal and the Zamorin. Uh, that's Z-A-M-O-R-I-N. That's like the kind of king title of the political systems in this part of India. At the okay. Time. That's just their title. Uh, the Zamorin of Calicut, uh, which is not Calcutta. It's a different town. It's just Calicut, uh, which was the dominant maritime power of the kind of it's called the Malbar coast of India, but it's really okay. like the west part of India on the ocean. Okay. So, yeah, this Calicut uh, Zamorin guy, he was the dominant maritime power, and that second Indian armada had opened hostilities with them, which is a great <laughs> idea. Hey, let's go into some person, like someone else's territory, and just fuck with them yeah. and just piss them <laughs> off. That won't have repercussions. Uh, the fourth armada, uh, which was sent in 1502, the year before Alfonso's here. Okay. Uh, this was also under Vasco da Gama. He's like, okay, I'll take care of this. I'll mm. handle this. Uh, had been dispatched with a more intent purpose of having Gama mm-hmm. terrorize the coast, bombard Calicut, and order a organize a naval blockade of the city. <laughs> so, okay, we need you to take care of it. I know we already pissed them off, but do everything more in your power to make them more angry. <laughs> that will really solve the problem at hand here. <laughs> so, he blocked the block, he blocked the city, he had bombed it, and then he also terrorized the coast. Jesus. Uh, and they were hoping this would bring the Zamorian to terms. They were like, that will definitely let him talk to us. <laughs> The Zamorian, the Zamorian refused to yield. Yeah, He's like, no, I'm not giving yeah. it. Fuck you, dudes. <laughs> Hiring an Arab privateer fleet uh-huh. to break the Portuguese blockade. So he was hiring basically pirates or mercenaries to break the blockade. That was unsuccessful, mm-hmm. but still he's paying people to fucking attack you from mm. your rear. Um, the resilience and resourcefulness of the Zamorin made it clear to Gama that previous methods previous methods of force projection not a not a star wars movie, <laughs> not that uh wasn't enough to scare the city into obedience guys this just isn't gonna cut it <laughs> a longer fight lie in front of them one for which gamma was not prepared for guys i'm not gonna fucking beat them we need to do something <laughs> here we need to make a plan so they were like oh shit fuck uh, another, th- this is a quote I found. Uh, we think about espionage as a recent development, you know, mm-hmm. World War II spies, maybe a little bit into the 1800s. This is showing how far back spying goes. Ooh. Another worrisome development was that two Italian passengers on Vasco da Gama's fleet had jumped ship in Ca- Canamore, okay. a city like in India, and made their way to the court of the Zamorin in Calicut. Dang. Both were military engineers and probably secret agents of the Venetian Republic. Shit. Secret 
Aging yeah. man. Uh, thus. That's some James Bond shit. Yeah, really? As a duo. They jump ship and go sneak into the cart? Damn. <laughs> thus far, the greater range and firepower of the Portuguese naval artillery had rendered Indian cannons mute. So if we stay this far away from you know the shore, they're not mm-hmm. going to be able to hit us, but we can hit them with our <laughs> cannons. Uh, and allowed the Portuguese to dominate the coast with impunity. Like I said, we can we can hit them, but they can't hit us. Mm-hmm. But the Italians promised to help the Zamorian forge European cannons and close the technological gap. So mm. they are industrial spies, pretty much, jumping ship and going to another you know person that doesn't have the technology and saying, "Hey, we know what to do. If you give us home and you know probably some money." We can make this happen for you. <laughs> so, like I said, espionage going back fa- so far. <laughs> so that brings us to the fifth armada, like okay. I said. Uh, so the the setting for this fifth armada is everything is on fire and everything we've done so far has made the problem worse. <laughs> Your turn to go make things not so worse. But they make it worse. They make it worse. Uh, oh, they do? Oh, oh. Yeah. Nothing goes right. Uh, this is a quote I found. Wait, which ship is this again? This Who's is the under- fifth armada under our fa- friend Alfonso Albuquerque. Woo. He is about to head out. Okay. Everything before that has been someone else making bigger problems Wait, for is this him. the Lion King? This is the, the Lion of the Seas. Yeah, okay. the Lion of the Seas. Uh, quote, it is uncertain exactly what instructions were given to the fifth armada. Just sail. Just get there. Sail! Yeah, sail! (laughs) Just figure it out when you get there. How about that? Uh, One possible conclusion is that the 5th Armada was expected to be a rather uneventful commercial run. Mm. They weren't expecting any of this. That, as Gama's 4th Armada was supposed to have pacified India, Mm -hmm. there was little to do other than deliver building materials, load up with spices, and return home at best leaving behind a couple of ships to bolster the Indian Ocean Patrol. Mm. So they were leaving expecting the previous ships to have solved all the problems. Yeah. And it's we're going to be sailing into just, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to okay. be sunny. No issues. People are going to be waving at us uh-huh. from the shore. <laughs> They're going to throw us a party. It's going to be so simple when in reality it's, but no. It's like a Terminator opening sequence of people running through <laughs> rubble, stomping on people's arms. That's what it really sounds like. Um, so, like I was saying, Fourth Armada, one that was being led by Gama, mm-hmm. every intention of it was to go to India, go to this area, put down the local ruler, quell the violence, make things okay. Yeah. And everything that they did made those conditions worse. <laughs> so in that, that's where Albuquerque is leading this fifth armada. He's like, okay, I'm going to head out. They told me everything is good. So they sail there. They get to India. It's uh, He leaves in 1503, and like we said, it's a six-month or so journey. Mm-hmm. So he gets there at the tail end of 1503, beginning of 1504. Okay. The first thing they I found listed is how... <laughs> Portuguese forces led by Albuquerque faced against the Zamorian of Calicut, resulting in the first siege of Cochin. Ooh. Yes, the first siege of the town area, pretty much, of 1504. So <laughs> get there, first siege starts. That's how, like I said, he's starting out, he's a, he, like I said, god of war. Uh, but this ended with the Portuguese appointing a short-lived 
king of Cochin Ooh. to the throne in the area. Nice. They, they were like, we won. Here's our king. And it wouldn't last. Um, so, yeah, they, they appointed this uh, king to the area. Uh-huh. But I, I found another quote describing the Armada. Uh, <laughs> nice. Very, very simple, but I think sufficient quote. Quote, by and large, the Fifth Armada was a disaster. <laughs> you know what? Disaster. We fucking fucked up. Uh, of the 10 ships that were sent, yeah. two returned. Okay. So that's a failing grade right there. That's 40%. That's not, <laughs> or no, that's 20%. That's a failing grade. Um, despite this, uh, Albuquerque played the white male card of failing upwards. Oh, God. Uh, overcoming his <laughs> shortcomings as a fleet admiral and being appointed as the second governor of Portuguese India. So okay. the territory that they thought that they ruled in India, they were like, you're the governor. You know what? Just stay there. Fuck yeah. it. <laughs> just, just stop. Um, Albuquerque, though, he was like, I'm governor. I'm going to leave. Uh, <laughs> he, he left India in a dangerous situation. Uh, the peace negotiated mm. uh, between the Portuguese Empire and uh, the Zamorian mm. uh, was broken before he even left. He he hear, heard the shots being fired and was like, "That's my cue. That's my that's my cue to get the <laughs> fuck out of here." Uh, Time it, to skedaddle. Yeah, exactly. Was that a gunshot? All right, let's get that motor moving. Let's yeah. get those paddles going. <laughs> uh, it was certain that the Zamorian would come bearing down. On the on this town of Cochin again in the spring of 1504. So it was a short siege, and they're like, "Yeah, this works. This piece, this is definitely a long-lasting piece." And then you see, you know, 200 feet away, the Zamorian, you know, carving a stone. Yeah, like, this is going to be for <laughs> Albuquerque's face. Uh, under this way, so, oh my god! So he's leaving mm-hmm. Albuquerque, and they they know that this peace isn't going to last. So they need a good defense force. Yeah. So Portugal, they defend this Indian possession with a garrison, so, you know, a group mm-hmm. of 150 people. 150 people. Okay. Under a man named Duarte Pachito Pereira. I'm probably pr- not pronouncing that okay. right, but still Duarte. He had 150 <laughs> men. He was in a, t- a small timber fort in Cochin, this city. Okay. And three ships. Nice. So you're you're looking at the Wikipedia box page right there of the battle on one, yeah. one half. You got a dude named Duarte, 150 dudes, and three ships. <laughs> so as soon as the Fifth Armada left, okay, they the the Zamorian would come down on the city. So they were literally watching probably the horizon. They're like, and he's out of distance. Let's go. The, the <laughs> same way most teenagers would be like. All right, mom and dad are out of range. Let's do some fun shit that we're not allowed to do. I'm watching porn. Woo. You know, I'm smoking weed in the bathroom, whatever. Um, I'm going wild. So as soon as the Fifth Armada left, the Zamorian would come down on the city okay. with an army. So let's remember, Duarte had 150 men and three ships. Yeah. The Zamorian came with an army of an estimated 57,000 to 84,000 men and what and 260 vessels how do i feel like that's like exaggerated like well it sounds exaggerated but it's not because there's a giant range so 
There's so many people. It's like a Spartan movie. <laughs> yeah, the, the prequel to Sparta is 150, <laughs> or to 300 is 150. <laughs> this is if you're playing like a video game and like, oh shit, I didn't know I had that possession. Like, I didn't know I had that tile. There's no troops there. So yeah, 57,000 to 84,000. Uh, I'm not even going to break down the math of what that is per person for the Portuguese because it's a lot. Um, 260 vessels. Uh, and these came down on, like I said, Duarte Pacheco, whatever his name is, and um, his his Portuguese garrison in the incredible heroics of the Battle of Cochin, which... I'll be honest, I just assume is them running for the sea as fast as they can. And like, can we fit everyone in the three boats? Let's get the fuck out of here. There's 57,000 of them and 260 vessels. Yeah, that's a one-sided battle right there. Okay, you got to tell me what happens next. They don't win, I think. (laughs) Yeah, they don't win. I was expecting that. No, no, they say it's a heroic battle, but it's... Because I assume at least one person survived. <laughs> so they, again, Albuquerque left before all this. He's like, your problem, your issues, um, <laughs> not, not me, you. So 1506, Albuquerque, he gets a second expedition to mm. India. Uh, this time it's being sent by King Manuel I of Portugal. Mm. Uh, the first stop before India is to capture the island of Socatro or Socatra, nice. which is in the like Red Sea, you know, where like the Arabian Peninsula is. And then there's the Red Sea where in, yeah. in like Africa Actually, is and it kind of pops out. There's an island, uh, not a big island, but like a decently sized island. Like, mm-hmm. You can't see it from a normal map, but it's a decently sized island in the, between that in between the Arabian Peninsula and the Horn of Africa mm-hmm. and that's Socatra okay. and they're like hey that might be a good one if we want to control the oceans maybe we want to control this island here so they sent him to go take it and build a fortress on the island he was like go and build something on that island <laughs> don't burn things build <laughs> build and keep a hundred more than 150 men there just in case just in case okay. <laughs> maybe 200 <laughs> at the very least uh with him, Alfonso carried a sealed letter with a secret mission. What? More secrecy espionage bullshit here. <laughs> with a secret mission ordered by King Manuel to, quote, replace the first viceroy of India. So a viceroy is uh, an appointed person. Okay. Not Isn't that royalty? It's, or? Well, that's where the Roy comes from. They're the vice royalty. That's the uh. full term. They act on behalf of the royalty. They are the top lesion, the the top, you know, top of the totem pole in the uh in the colony. Okay. Pretty much. Like in uh the New World and, you know, South America and Mexico mm-hmm. and stuff like that, they had Spanish vice royalties who everyone talked to them, like the vice royalty of mm. Peru. Uh they Everyone in the colony would go to the viceroy, and then the viceroy would be in direct contact with the royalty. Okay. That's where that comes from. So he was going to be on behalf of the royalty. He was going to be the, the head honcho of, uh, of India, of Portuguese India here. Mm. And he was, going to, uh, he was going to replace the guy who was holding on to power after he had a successor, and he just wasn't giving up. He's like, nope, I'm still viceroy here. <laughs> You can't tell me no. I'm six months away from you, so what are you going to do about it? 
I'm going to send a line to you on the Portuguese <laughs> Mars. <laughs> so uh, 1506 is when he's sent out. He arrives in Socotra in 1507. Mm. Like we said, this is a long-ass distance. Uh, and after successful attacks on Arab cities on the East African coast here, uh, Alfonso and his Portuguese ally, not even allies, just troops, yeah. uh, conquered Socotra and built a fortress at Suk. S U Q. That's how it's pronounced. So suck, suk, suck, suck at Trabac. Yeah, suck Sakatra. Hoping to establish a base for the Red Sea for the Portuguese to control it. A thalocracy or thalalocracy is the controller of the sea, like a government based on controlling the sea trade. That's what they're kind of going for. Okay. How the British and the Dutch would colonize the land, they would. You know, they would take over and they would go into the colony. They would go yeah. further. They wouldn't just stay on the shores. The Portuguese, they were like, we don't need a big, you know, island mass or we don't need land mass. Mm. We just need trading ports. We're a trading, you know, empire pretty much. So apart from some small, like a couple places, you know, Brazil and mm. Mozambique and stuff like that, they mainly just had kind of city states of just trading big old trading ports that's like what macau and goa are yeah so they had a different colonization tactic than all these other places in around the world even in india uh though so this base at suck only sucked for four years because it was abandoned four years later (laughs) as it was not advantageous this base get ready for it guys sucks (laughs) sucks <laughs> yep they they That's had to ban that joke at the at the base they're like we can't make this anymore or else i'm going to snap uh so from uh Socotra, uh alfonso or afonso he took seven ships and 500 okay. men to ormuz or hormuz in okay. the persian gulf wait which trip is this now this is on, still on his second trip really he goes from Socotra. To this spot. Okay. So it was just a pit stop. Ooh. You know, if you're going to the East Coast on a road trip, you can do it in one night or, you know, one solid drive. But sometimes uh-huh. you got to take a stop at, you know, a kitschy place in Indiana or something yeah. like that. <laughs> this is that kitschy place in Indiana. Woo! <laughs> but you don't take over and build a fortress in yeah. that kitschy place in Indiana. <laughs> it would be interesting, but it wouldn't happen all that often. Uh, so... They're in this uh, Ormuz, like the Ormuz Strait. It's in the Persian Gulf. It's where like all the Gulf states are. It was one of the chief eastern centers of commerce. So as it kind of goes into the Persian Gulf, into like where Kuwait is, there's yeah. a lot of commerce, a lot of trade going on mm-hmm. here. Uh, he arrived at Ormuz on September 25th, 1507, and soon captured the city. He's Woo! like, walk on in, mine, bitches. <laughs> Oh, God. Uh, and it agreed to become a tributary state of the Portuguese king. They were okay. like, okay, we'll pay you some tribute. Just please don't burn our <laughs> things. We, we see what please. happens over there. Come on. <laughs> um, but they kind of double-crossed, not double-crossed, but they were like, psych. Uh, Hormuz <laughs> then would become a tributary state of the Shamal, Sh- uh, sorry, the Shah Ismail of Persia. So mm. the Shah of Persia, uh, this the real Shah, not the. 19th. Is that also the same title as a king, or? Uh, kind of. It's like a very monarchy-esque title, but then in the fifties and sixties and seventies, there was a new Shah in Iran slash Persia. Okay. That's oh, really weird. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they had the most expensive party of all time during his reign. It cost like two hundred and fifty million dollars, and it was to celebrate the twenty fifth hundred anniversary of the Persian Empire. 
Okay. Yeah, very, I guess there could be worse reasons to like spend a bunch of money. Yeah, like, it was I don't a really know. weird thing. It invented it. At least it's not like a $22 million crown or whatever. <laughs> yeah, we'll get into some crazy fucking hats in this series. <laughs> but yeah, so Hormuz would become a tribute state of the Shah of Persia at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, shortly after its conquest, Albuquerque was confronted by Persian envoys mm. who demanded the payment of the due tribute from him instead. <laughs> I'm imagining like a mafia-esque like confronting a dude like, so I heard you've been paying your dues to someone else in this day. <laughs> I hope we don't have a problem here. <laughs> That's what I kind of imagine yeah, in this situation. So. Uh, he ordered them to be given a stock of cannonballs, arrows, and weapons, retorting that such was the currency struck in Portugal to pay the tribute demanded from the dominions of King Manuel. He, I mean, my, that's the same shit on my Christmas list. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, like, I understand, like, the... Especially the, the cannonballs. I'm really hoping I'll get those this year. Well, I was gonna say, I was gonna say like, the weapons and arrows. Okay, I can understand, like, hey, you can actually use these. But, like, if the cannonballs don't fit, wow, they just gave us balls of metal. Wow, that's a great tribute, dude. Wow. What is it when if if they're a rival, like they're a shot, they're obviously fighting over this position. Why would you be arming them? That feels like a bad trade. (laughs) Yeah. How about we give them give them the cannonballs and maybe the arrows, but how about not the weapons? Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's a very (laughs) He killed me with the gun I gave him. (laughs) How the turntables turn. Uh, Turntables turn. Turn and turn. How the tables turn. Yeah. (laughs) Here in Hormuz. Uh, some of his officers revolted against the heavy work and climate and claiming that Alfonso was exceeding his orders, Mm -hmm. uh, thus departed for India. He was like, everyone's criticizing me. Uh, Duty calls in India. Bye. See ya. (laughs) I'll leave. Uh, With the the fleet, Mm -hmm. when we said he had came in with seven ships, uh, he left with two ships and left without supplies. Hmm. He was unable to maintain this position for too long. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I misread that. The workers revolted and left him for <laughs> India. That's even better. I'm sorry. You didn't fucker. Screw you guys. <laughs> yeah. We're going to the place we can call home. Yeah. <laughs> if we go actually home, it's six more months. I mean, can you blame them? Though? Yeah. Like, <laughs> well, yeah, it's a fucking desert. You're in the fucking <laughs> desert. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they left him without supplies. Uh, he was unable to maintain this position for long, and he was forced to abandon Hormuz, the, mm-hmm. the city Hormuz, in January 1508. So he basically held it for from se- late September to January. Mm-hmm. That's not really a tributary state. That's a <laughs> transition period or what have you. Uh, so, yeah, 1508. 1509 is when he, he's starting to reach... Mm-hmm. kind of high points in his career in India. Uh, on November 4th, 1509, Alfonso would become the second, and so the second after the first, governor of the state of India. So he's kind of like, kind of viceroy and governor go back and forth about who's, you know, who's the bi- who has the bigger balls here in the political scheme? Like, mm-hmm. who reports to who, pretty much? So he's the governor, and that's a position he will hold until his death. Uh this other guy that he was uh, kind of going back and forth with, the guy he was sent to uh, relieve, yeah. wouldn't be returning until 1510. So he held on there for like three plus years onto this job. Okay. Which 
I don't know many people who, after they get fired, stay at their job for three years. Yeah. But, you know, maybe this guy's a little bit different. He just, yeah. I love the position, damn uh, Afonso had t- two goals. He, okay. He's like, I got two goals. Number one, I got to control the spice trade. That's making us a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Now, how am I going to s- control the spice trade? That's okay. my other goal. You know, like, for this podcast, I have two goals. I want to be successful, but I want to have fun with it. Oh, so, yeah. You, you mm-hmm. know, one and two. So, you, wait, are you saying that he's trying to do the same thing? I mean, it's a very similar. Like, I okay. mean, to be successful, I want to have fun with it. Yeah. You, know, you got to <laughs> do one to do the oh, other. Oh, yeah, totally. So, so I akin that to Alfonso because to control the spice trade, he would have to dominate the Muslim world. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and he states uh. this. <laughs> So, so for him, that's fun. That, yeah, he's like, okay. oh boy, the way we're starting a podcast, it's like, yeah. I just want to control the entire world. The intentions for us and them are kind of different, but yeah, okay, I mean, yeah. It's a different world. It's 1509. <laughs> it's a different world. Yeah. And uh, let's this, achieve our goals and accomplish something hard. And yeah, then for let's him, achieve yeah. our dreams. Let's fuck with people's lives all across the world, yeah. everywhere <laughs> we go. And that is where we are actually going to take a break here. This is going to no! be, yeah, no. I have a good amount of notes for the second half of this tale about mm-hmm. the spice trade, but we don't want to give you guys a two-hour episode on episode two. Uh, <laughs> it's a bitch to edit, I'll be honest. Yeah. Uh, and we want to give you something that you can bite off and chew, digest, and we're still kind of figuring out what's a good length, what's a fun length where we're not throwing too much yeah. at you. We can have some fun. And also Paul and I are due for our relax session. Yeah, exactly. I'm going <laughs> to throw popcorn into his mouth and he's going to throw sour gummy worms into my belly button. It's going to be really <laughs> oh, cool. Kinky. Very good. I don't want to, but I guess oh, I have yeah. to. So next week, what we're going to do, it's mm-hmm. going to be our uh, kind of intro. After next week, we're going to finally start to get into the two-door kingdoms here. Mm. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Malacca, the city of Malacca, uh, out in kind of the Malaysia area, uh, mm-hmm. Singapore area. We're going to talk about that as that's going to be his next big target, uh, Alfonso mm-hmm. here. He's like, that's a pretty nice city over there. What if I came to town real mm-hmm. quick and uh, change things real quick? We're going to talk about that. And that, after we talk about the kind of battles of Malacca with the Portuguese, it kind of connects all the parts of the spice trade from Western Europe to Eastern Asia. Things are starting to become a lot more accessible there, everything. And that's when we're going to get into the two doors. But it's going to be a lot of fun. There's (laughs) these battles here. Like I said, when we're going to say in the trailer, you got to dive in and look at these things because they are just so kooky and weird. Like Mm. 150 men versus 54,000 has to be one of the most uneven battles in all of history. Yeah. What would they say? Like, this is Sparta. What would they say instead? (laughs) This is the way to the shore. (laughs) This is the way out. (laughs) They don't have Gerard Butler giving them, you know, triumphant (laughs) quotes. Uh, which I guess ties in nicely because we were talking mm-hmm. about Persia. Persia's the people who talk yeah. about this. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's going to be next week. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, but I, oh, what, like we teased at the beginning, before we get into uh, begging and pleading for ratings and uh, self-aggrandizement, we have someone who gave us a wonderful rating and that we want to shout out. Uh, this comes from iTunes. Shout outs to Peanut Butter Baby Ooh. for a five star review. We oh, love yeah. it. You said amazing. Peanut you're amazing. butter jelly time. Yeah, you're amazing, Peanut Butter Baby. Peanut butter jelly. Peanut butter 
baby, peanut butter baby, peanut butter baby. <laughs> with a baseball bat. With a, hopefully not with a baseball <laughs> bat. If with a baseball bat, hopefully on a baseball <laughs> diamond. Um, so yeah, that's we love that, and we only say that to encourage more of, yeah. of our listeners. Say anything. Yeah, give us some feedback. <laughs> give us shit. We'll love give, it. Yeah, give us shit. Uh, give us five stars as well. And then give, give us, us one, and we'll love no, it. No, don't give right. us one star. No, five nah. stars helps us with the algorithm. Oh, dude, I will love dealing with the haters. Oh, I will love the haters, but at first, let's get the lovers. Okay. <laughs> step one, then step. Like, like Alfonso was doing step one, then step two. But yeah, yeah. those ratings. Give are, us the love and give us we'll the kinky out, hate that we're insecure yeah, to like, guys wanted talk to about. <laughs> on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. We're going to try and be more active on those sites. Uh, back row lessons for all of them. Mm-hmm. As that's the name of this podcast. And we love you guys too. Oh yeah, we love uh, each and every single one of you that are somehow listening to us right mm-hmm. now. We Somehow you're you're giving us a go and I am 100% appreciated. I mm-hmm. love it. Uh, so yeah, if you do give us a shout out or if you do give us a rating, we'll give... You give us a rating, we'll give you a shout out. How about yeah. that? Uh, you get to be in the likes of Dennis from first week, the last week, debunking uh, crazy people's ideas and Peanut Butter Baby. Woo! That is the baseball bat. Yeah, a, that is illustrious company right mm-hmm. there. It's amazing. Uh, but yeah, besides that, I mean, we got that. We got the social media. Anything else off the top of your head here, Nolan? Anything you want to say? Uh, nah, we love you. We appreciate yeah. you. Give us comments. Give us feedbacks. We're really good at listening. Yeah, we and love then, it. Yeah, we're going to keep it coming. I'm listening. I'm not the best, but <laughs> I try. But yeah, I think that's a good note to end on. Uh, but anyway, I'm Nolan Meshke. And I'm Paul, live from the back of the classroom. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Back row lessons. Woo! Woo!